It's Monday, July 24th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, I'm back from the beach. My tan's <laughs> looking great. Uh, a, a week away feels felt awesome. Uh, you know, thanks to to Jimmy Watkins for for filling in for a couple of podcasts there. Uh, it, I, obviously, you guys didn't miss me. The Guardians didn't miss me, but uh, they they came out uh, this weekend and took two or three from from Philly. Uh, had a chance there to to sweep the series, uh, thanks to David Fry tying things in the in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. Uh, but they couldn't get it done in in extra innings in a bullpen game where uh, you could tell once they hit that tenth inning, man, it was uh, it was going to be tough for uh, for Cleveland to come out ahead because they had burned through through eight relievers. You you had basically used everybody in the bullpen. Yeah, that was uh, you know it just caught up with them at the end, Joe and. Uh... You know, they had to leave, what, Heron and Heron out there for a while. And uh, it just, uh, it was just, it was too bad they couldn't have won it in the bottom of the ninth if they got it, if somebody was on when uh, Fry hit the home run. Because once it got into extras, they were in trouble. It was their major league leading uh, 15th extra inning game this season. They are 8-7 and seven in uh, in extra inning games. Uh, so, you know, for all the one-run games that they've played, uh, only 15 of them have gone, only 15 of them, 15 of them have gone <laughs> extra innings. Uh, uh, we always like that. I had a really nice lead if they had, had wound up uh, losing, <laughs> losing the game. I had to tear that right up when, uh, when David Fry hit that home run. Uh, but Fry, uh, I mean, he, he comes out and he's two for four in the game. Uh, it was his first game tying, uh, plate appearance, uh, in a game, uh, late in a game like that. So, uh, gotta be a thrill for him. And, you know, he's uh, Tito said he, he Tito keeps saying he's earned the, the playing time he gets. He's earned being in these situations uh, and, and he's done nothing to to sort of, uh, you know, disprove that that's the, the case that he's he deserves to be out there and, and get these opportunities. Yeah, he's playing really well. He plays, you know, he can play a bunch of different spots on the diamond, Joe, and uh, he's really come through. I mean, he's they've given him a chance. Uh, he's, he's produced and, uh, he keeps getting chances. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, if, if you're an Oscar Gonzalez fan, you know, you're probably thinking David Fry is keeping you, keeping your guy at, at Columbus right now. Yeah, that might be the case. Uh, uh, as far as Oscar, I think it's more of what Oscar Gonzalez isn't showing them or isn't doing. That's keeping him where he is maybe more so than what Fry is doing for them. Um, Josh uh, Josh Naylor was the last uh, Guardians player to hit a, uh, a a game tying home run with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning or in the in the ninth inning uh, that grand slam in Chicago um, uh, back in in 2022 May 9th so uh, you know that, that he matches that uh, the last time uh, a Cleveland player did it at Progressive Field was Framil Reyes in 2019 against Kansas City and I'm pretty sure they lost that game anyways so. Uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, for, for Fry to do that, uh, he didn't even realize the ball had left the ballpark. Uh, he stopped at second base and I guess he looked up, Sarby told him, Hey, uh, Hey, keep going. Uh, the ball hit the railing and bounced back into the field. So, uh, kind of neat for him. Uh, you know, great moment in in that game, a lot of, lots of excitement there. Uh, the crowd was fantastic all weekend, uh, three game attendance of 108,003. Uh, so just over 108,000 people uh, attended the three-game series against Philadelphia. Last time Progressive Field had a three-game series 
with 100,000 people, uh, 100,000 fans or more, was 2017 during the uh, the end of that win streak uh, against Kansas City. Uh, there were 108,000. Uh, there were a hundred. I'm sorry, 111,000 uh, in in that series. Um, the three game attendance. Uh, it was uh, the the highest three game series since uh, 2008. So that was the most they've had since 2008 uh, against Cincinnati over a three game span. Uh, so you know the fans are coming back to the ballpark, and it's good to see uh, you know a full house for for two out of the three games there uh, against Philly. Yeah, it's really exciting when the, the place is packed and the fans are into it from the first pitch. Uh, it's, you know, they, uh, the, the, the Guardians have done a great job, you know, you know, with promotions, with bobbleheads, with the, uh, you know, the monthly, uh, that, that standing room only pass, Joe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've, you know, I think people have loved the new rules. I think they like the balanced schedule, even though I think it's, it's hurting, uh, it's hurting the guardians in the standings. But, uh, I think, uh, you know, everything has come together here. The weather's been great and, uh, it's just great to see, you know, it's just great to see people at the ballpark. Yeah, we had we had like four different kinds of weather at the ballpark yesterday. It was sunny, it was cloudy, it was breezy, it was humid, <laughs> and then and then as soon as the game ended, there was rain. So kind of kind of interesting to follow that uh, bullpen game. Uh, they they went to that, and we'll get into you know what's what the situation is here uh, in a little bit with the with the bullpen. But Xavion Curry and the role that he fills for this team, uh, the way he performed yesterday, three innings, uh, he allowed one run. On one hit, he did walk three. It was a little erratic to start, but I'm going to tell you that strike zone was, uh, you know, just minute. Uh, Adam Beck, the the home plate umpire, was was not calling anything uh, a ball off the plate there. Uh, he struck out three, walked three, and and balked in a run. Uh, kind of unusual, I guess. Up in the press box, we didn't really know what the situation was, uh, why the the balk was called, but I guess it, it's because. Uh, you know, Curry had been going from the stretch and then from the, the, the set position, um, he, he started his windup, uh, from that spot and, and he realized that he knew what he did and there was no, there was no protest from, from Tito or anybody else because, uh, you know, he knew what he did was wrong. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough way to give up a run, but he's, you know, he's been dynamite, uh, you know, the whole season, Joe. I mean, that was very similar to his, uh, you know, bullpen start, what, uh, Monday, I think, uh, against, uh, in Pittsburgh. Three scoreless innings, two, two strikeouts, one walk. Of course, he didn't, obviously, he didn't balk home a run, but, you know, he, he's been really reliable for them. Yeah, Carl Willis said before the game, uh, you know, Curry has been has given them everything they've asked and more uh, in that that role, and that's why they've been hesitant to, you know, even though there's a need in the starting rotation, they've been hesitant to to put him to stretch him out and to get him into a starting role, uh, because they, you know, if if they do that, who fills that role that that Curry has been so good at this year uh, as sort of the the long man, the wild card in that role. Um, He's holding left-handed hitters to a uh, an 0.38 average uh, since June 23rd. They're one for 26 against him. So uh, go ahead and put a lefty out there against Xavier Curry, and uh, it's it's pretty much a done deal, uh, which is good to see. Also a done deal. Michael Kelly has been really good since uh, his call up in, in a, a you know brief stint with the uh, the club. Uh, has not allowed a run this season uh, in four and two thirds innings. 
Uh, Eli Morgan came in. He worked in a, a scoreless inning, uh, struck out a batter, and, and allowed a hit. Uh, his uh, his batting average against at home is down to 122. Uh, batters are 10 for 20, 10 for 82 on the season uh, against Eli Morgan at Progressive Field. Um, Angel De Los Santos came in. He was really good as well. Uh, he's uh, he has a 153 average uh, ERA uh, in his last 17 appearances dating back to June 10th. So uh, De Los Santos getting the job done uh, out of the bullpen. Uh, really just a, a strong game for the bullpen uh, and, until you got to the uh, the lefties who kind of struggled uh, yesterday. And and that was a, a, a problem. Really, uh, it, it was kind of funny. The the, uh, the Phillies tied the game in a way similar to the way the Guardians won on Saturday uh, when Jose Ramirez popped the ball up uh, and it sort of landed in the Bermuda Triangle in center field. Uh, and, and Ahmed Rosario came around to score. Uh, the, the same sort of thing happened when Brandon Marsh hit a, a little uh, a nine iron shot to a short left field and Ramirez couldn't handle the, the ball. It would have been a would have been a nice running catch, uh, but instead it hit off his glove and and JT Ramuto came around and scored the the uh, the go ahead run for um, uh, for Philadelphia in the in the sixth inning. Yeah, that, uh, definitely. And and Jose usually makes that play. He's really good at that at plays like that. But uh, it just uh, it just goes to show you, Joe, if you run, you know, when you're supposed to run in baseball, you know, good things will happen for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Andres Jimenez uh, had a, a solo home run in the second inning. Ramirez an RBI ground out in the third. But it was uh, it was Stephen Kwan with a uh, solo home run to lead off the game. Uh, his second leadoff home run of the season uh, really jumped on Aaron Nola there in the first inning. Uh, and he had four hits in the game. Stephen Kwan, uh, you know, a, a nice all-around performance uh, yesterday, uh, but his second leadoff home run uh, in, in two weeks. Yeah, that's uh, it's really uh, it's fun to watch Quan. I think, you know, in, in listening to uh, Chris Vileka, you know, in, in, in talking to in talking to the approach that these guys take, you know he's 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 all for the contact guys like Quan, uh, and uh, you know obviously he's you know he hits he's a contact oriented hitter, but he's all for Quan you know taking chances and you know picking the pitches where he can kind of let it go on, let the bat go on, and I think we're he's kind of le- you know kind of learning about that Joe. He's 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 feeling that out, and it's, you know it's really uh, you know Valleca said it was really really tough. For guys who have made contact their whole career, that hate to strike out, that really kind of they they hate to take a swing at a bad pitch, to really take that chance, and maybe we're seeing that kind of a you know Quan evolve into a guy that you know might be might gamble now and then in and in bat. Yeah, and and with that, we'll see his his power numbers maybe grow a little bit, and uh, you know maybe a, a few more home runs, maybe a few more doubles pulled down the line instead of. Uh, everything just being slapped up the middle, but but don't discount the fact that he still uh, you know leads what uh, leads the team in in base hits. I think he's got more hits now than than Jose Ramirez. Uh, it's his sixth career four plus hit performance. That's tied for fourth most among major league hitters uh, since he debuted in 2022. Uh, his 277 hits since 2022 are tied for eighth most in in baseball. So. I mean, 
yes, the the power numbers will go up eventually as he learns to to jump on and and sort of ambush pitchers when he knows he's going to get a certain pitch. But he's still consistent and he's still performing with the you know a, a four hit game. That's not something you you sort of overlook. That's uh, you know he's he's putting the bat on the ball and he's when he's getting his opportunities he's taking them. So uh, good to see from from Stephen Kwan. Uh, we, we talked about the, the individual performances of the bullpen, but just in, in general, uh, now that they've, they've, you know, had a game where they burned through eight guys and, and we don't see an off day for this team until August 3rd, uh, are you anticipating something happening here, uh, prior to Monday's series opener against Kansas city? Uh, do they, do they bring up an arm? Do they add somebody, uh, to, to sort of give them a, a little more protection, uh, heading into tonight's series opener against the Royals. I've been anticipating a move for a week, Joe. I, I don't know what they've been waiting for. I, you know, I would think, uh, you know, Karen check would have to be the guy here to bring them up and get a fresh arm in the bullpen. But you know, that this is, they've kind of, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of gone, gone against their usual, you know, kind of MO, their modus operandi. You know, they, you know, they usually, you know, when they have a big bullpen game, they bring up a fresh arm the next day, but we haven't seen that. But I think they have to do that now, don't you think? Hoinsey busting out the Latin phrases. I think, uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we're going, we're, we're going back there, uh, a ways. Yeah. I think, uh, the most logical move is Tim Heron for. Uh, James Karinchak. I think Heron needs the rest, needs the break, needs to get down and start feeling better about himself. Uh, he's walked way too many guys uh, in his last couple of outings, and uh, he needs to find that command and control. Uh, in his last five appearances for Columbus, Karinchak is has a 169 ERA, nine strikeouts and two walks in five and a third innings. Uh, Carl Willis yesterday talking about uh, Karinchak said, you know, his, his velocity might be uh, a tick down. Maybe his stuff is not quite as uh, not, not playing up quite as good in Columbus. Uh, however, uh, he's getting a better feel for the strike zone and he's in a much better place, according to Willis. Uh, but but Willis said there has to be a need. Well, I, I can't think of any more or, or, you know, more more of an opportunity right now or more of a need for this team uh, than to bring James, James Karinchak up after Basically, everybody in the bullpen pitched yesterday, uh, so anticipate that move happening uh, prior to the um, the opener of the series. And, you know, we'll see uh, if, if any other moves uh, accompany that uh, as well uh, could be the case. Um, the, the series uh, against Philly gave, uh, you know, fans a chance, obviously, to see a team that, that doesn't come around. Uh, Cleveland a lot, uh, a, a star like Bryce Harper, who finally, uh, you know, as anticipated, made the move to first base because of, uh, you know, he's coming back from a, an elbow surgery and an arm injury. Uh, they've, they've got a guy who is a uh, two-time National League MVP as an outfielder, uh, now playing his first games as an infielder, and uh, he looked like a gold glove first baseman all weekend over there at first base. Yeah, he's he's a talented guy. He's, uh, you know, really one of the best players in baseball. He's coming off that Tommy John surgery on his elbow. Uh, he came back earlier than anticipated. And, uh, you know, he's he's fun to watch, Joe. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, people, if they pay the price for admission, you want to see a guy like Bryce Harper play. Yeah, you talk about paying the price in that game on Friday. He took a dive into the uh, the photo bay uh, to catch a foul ball off the bat of Ahmed Rosario and, 
you know, that, it sort of looked like an outfielder play there uh, as, as he's making it over by the wall. Uh, but then he came back and made some really good decisions and really good plays. Uh, he caught a line drive, I, I believe, off the bat of uh, Jose Ramirez. That uh, was a double play where he tagged out Stephen Kwan. Um, he also, on a bunt attempt by uh, by Kwan, uh, really it was a perfectly placed bunt. It, it got past the pitcher, uh, made it to the second baseman. Uh, you, you could see Harper took two steps towards the ball, then immediately realized he had to get over and cover the bag and beat Kwan to the bag. And, it, you know, veteran first baseman will will screw that play up, uh, you know, a few times. But, but you know, when he was tested, Bryce Harper made the right decision and made the right play. Yeah, he's, you know, he's I think he's a baseball player. I mean, when he's when he was coming up, I think he, w- he was a catcher at one time, wasn't he? In mm-hmm. high school or, yeah. or when the first year of college, I, I think he got drafted. I, I'm not sure. Can't remember when he got drafted, but he's played all over the diamond. He, he just has great instincts. Well, don't don't forget our friend uh, Austin Hedges when he was uh, a, a youth base, right. baseball player coming up. Uh, he he actually had Bryce Harper on his 12U team for uh, a few tournaments, and Harper uh, played catcher and played you know all over the place. Uh, but uh, Austin Hedges said at 12 years old he saw Bryce Harper hit a ball as far as he's ever seen a 12 year old hit a ball. Uh, and, and you, you know, just, you just sort of knew that that was sort of, uh, he was destined for, for superstardom, I guess, uh, down the line. Uh, speaking of superstardom yesterday, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland went into the, uh, the, the hall of fame. They were inducted. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of, uh, their, their induction speeches, but, uh, they were fantastic just to, to sit and watch, uh, Scott Rowland, uh, very emotional. Uh, he echoed some, some of the things that, uh, Terry Francona uh, was, was saying about him uh, on Saturday uh, when he talked about his parents and, and how uh, his mom and dad would, would get in the RV and and drive around the country to, to watch his games. Uh, Tito said he'd look up in the stands and there'd be Scott Rowland's dad every game on the road with a, with a hamburger in his hand and, and just sort of watching. And, and you can imagine how proud he was. Uh, but Rowland's speech, uh, tipping his cap to his mom and his family, uh, just, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of fun watching, uh, that as, as two great players enter the hall of fame. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, uh, Joe, I did not, I did not watch any of the ceremonies, but I know our buddy John Lowe got in from, uh, from Detroit. He got the mm-hmm. BBWA, uh, award. So, uh, congratulations to John as well. Yeah, that was on, uh, on Saturday, the, uh, the broadcasters and the writers, uh, had their, their sort of uh, moment in the spotlight and, uh, you know, uh, well-deserved honors all the way around. Uh, I, I, I got to go back to uh, Tito talking about, uh, you know, the first time he remembered uh, seeing Ted, uh, Fred McGriff uh, was when he was, Tito was with uh, Cincinnati and McGriff was a, a rookie coming up with Toronto uh, and Norm Charlton was on the mound, uh, a double a uh, pitcher uh, for the Reds trying to make the ball club in spring training and Tito uh, was at first base and McGriff left-handed left on left and McGriff launched a ball uh out of the ballpark across the highway uh that they were uh at the stadium where they were down in uh, in Tampa and uh Tito turned to Richie Garcia the umpire there and said come on Richie that ball was foul this kid's trying to make the make the club and <laughs> and Richie Garcia turned to him and said that ball went across four streets it's a home run 
It was, <laughs> you know, uh, I love hearing those those sort of uh, interactions, those those stories from Tito. But he goes, but Tito turns to us, he goes, that was a young Fred McGriff, and he got it's just the the power that that guy could generate was uh, was unbelievable. Yeah, he well deserved to get into the Hall of Fame. You know, he kind of, you know. Got kind of overlooked in that steroid era and stuff, and uh, he, uh, you know, he, he played for a long time, and uh, you know, he he deserved to get in there, Joe. I'm I'm glad the uh, you know with the veterans committee he got in with one right, of the, uh, right, yeah. So I mean, they made a good choice there. All right, well, uh, a, a good choice all the way around uh, for this year's Hall of Fame class. I think no uh, two really great individuals uh, elected to the hall or, or sent into the hall. Uh, this year in 2023. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We will be back uh, to wrap up the uh, series opener against Kansas City uh, and, and talk about what's going on with the Guardians tomorrow here uh, on the podcast. We'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.